Hi, I'm Mike Rueda, and welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast where I explore topics relevant to those who make a career out of their talent. My guests, who are experts in their field and advisors of successful artists, entertainers, and athletes, will share professional insight and personal experiences, which I hope you find helpful and interesting. So thank you for listening, and enjoy. Today's episode might be particularly interesting to anyone who has ever lived or has wanted to live in New York City. If you have lived in New York, you understand what a tricky residential real estate market it is. As my guest will explain, real estate can be the great equalizer among New York City residents of all walks of life. So, today's guest is Elise Dolginus, an expert in all aspects of luxury residential real estate in New York, including purchases and sales, new constructions, renovations, and design. A really unique area of Elise's practice is working with New York City co-ops and condos, particularly new developments on behalf of her clients and their specific needs. Elise, a special counsel in the real estate group at Withers, is based in New York City and has advised some of New York City's most notable residents. Elise, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks. You're busy, so I'm excited to have you. I know it's been tough to get you and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to ask you a few questions. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'm going to jump right in with asking you to uh, to tell me a little bit about your practice and how it got started. So sure, happy to do that. The um, real estate practice in New York was initially intended to be a commercial practice when I started the firm 16 years ago. And I was brought in, we had a real estate partner and he was essentially doing a lot of leasing work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the goal to, to assist him do the leasing and Interestingly enough, right around when I started was the um, sort of like the collapse of Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and a little bit of that, that financial crisis oh, yeah. was happening, you know, shortly after I started. So the, the amazing thing about Withers is obviously the access to international clients because we experienced a huge influx of non-U.S. investment in U.S. real estate, mostly residential. So you know, for me, what I think saved my job at Withers, because we had no commercial work at that point, was this influx of non-U.S. folks wanting to buy real estate. And mm-hmm. we had, you know, like Brazilian families coming in and buying 10 apartments at once. So wow. it got really busy, but it was all foreign investment. Um, and it was essentially all residential. So the practice kind of just grew from there. It was like a really organic, interesting thing. where, And then we just started to market to foreign buyers and then I would say for a very long time at Withers, that's all I did was real estate for was residential real estate for non-US folks. And slowly but surely, the economy recovered, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in New York, especially the, um, the residential new developments kind of all crested around like 2010. And there was this ton of new development that was ready to be sold. So that you know, then the, and then the U S market, you know, our, our U S clients, you know, kind of returned and it just became a thing where I was busy enough to focus solely on residential. And that became a really niche, you know, just a niche area for me. Wow. And I imagine that residential real estate is complicated in New York city as it is. Are there challenges and nuances uh, in particular with high end residential real estate transactions in New York that differ from, non-high-end uh, transactions? I think so. I think 
you know, a lot of people that are coming to New York and spending an extraordinary amount of money, they know they're not prepared to do to come in and and you know reveal all of their finances and who they are. And yeah. that's pretty much, you know, that's a starting point with whether you're buying a cooperative apartment or a condo apartment. They both have these, you know, kind of invasive purchase applications. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, usually the, a, a really experienced real estate broker will, will guide the purchasers through that. But I find so many of our clients don't appreciate what that's going to mean when they see the package. And then, you know, we go to all these lengths to, to protect their wealth by, you know, like creating entities and, and structures that, you know, preserve their wealth into future generations. And now, We've taken all these steps to make these trusts and corporate entities and maybe even, you know, BVI companies and all these things. And then we have to reveal who all the players are to a co-op board or a condo board. So that's a really unique thing that often people that view themselves as, you know, somewhat important, they think that they're going to escape that. Um, So I spend a lot of time explaining how you're not going to get around that if you want to live on Fifth Avenue. And so that's a, that's a unique thing because you can go buy a house in Miami um, and not, or a new construction condo in Miami and that doesn't exist or a a big house in the Hamptons. So, but New York is a, is a funny place. It's sort of, it's an equalizer. Everybody gets treated the same, whether you're a billionaire or even if you're just buying a one bedroom, you know, $1.5 million apartment. So it's kind of unique that everybody has to sort of succumb I'm sure explaining the uh, the process is a process in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, things like explaining the mansion tax and, you know, the, the unique set of transfer taxes that we have here and or in new construction, how sponsors drive the deals. And there's a lot of things to negotiate because sponsors, they don't conceal it, but they have this big offering plan for a new building. Mm-hmm. It'll be 700 pages. The buyers never read that offering plan and buried in that offering plan is somewhere it'll say, hey, buyer, you're going to pay all of the closing costs, even sponsors closing costs, and you're Mm -hmm. going to pay our transfer taxes and you're going to pay our recording fees. And so buyers don't know that that's going to happen. And so they don't even know to negotiate it sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a real value add that someone like I bring to the table. I mean, and also a sophisticated broker would bring that to the table, too. But many times that hasn't been discussed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe because the brokers just want to get the deal done and they're really excited to, you know, marry a a buyer and a seller and they don't want to rock the boat. And then you have, you know, then I come in and say, did you agree to all these things? (laughs) Um, So that's another kind of unique New York aspect. The the New York real estate developers is quite a a unique animal. Yeah. You you touched uh, on this a bit already, but you work with a lot of public public figures. Um, that buy and sell real estate in New York. What are some of the common issues, requests, challenges, and some of your recommendations that you that you face and that you um, you know that you recommend? So you know the there are sort of two things that I see all the time. I should say the number one thing is is the keep, let's can we keep this confidential? How do I how do I keep this out of the? So you know we have a lot of sort of tools that we use to keep the clients, you know, from ever being, you know, revealed anywhere. And then of course, there's a couple of things that you cannot avoid. Um, there's a couple of statutory things that we have to comply with. And here we take all these steps and, and have the clients like sort of spend extra money to prepare these 
somewhat, you know, elaborate structures to protect their identity, identity. And then we hand them a piece of paper that where we have to sign at the closing that says, okay, you have to reveal who the beneficial owner is, but no one's going to see this. But that makes, you know, that can make them, that can make them very nervous. So that's one. And the other thing I find very, um, it's sort of tricky. I think I've gotten really good at it over the years is a lot of times the, um, the individual, you know, the client is interested in the very beginning because they're excited about the shiny new mm-hmm. toy they're going to buy. Um, but then they don't want, they're just sort of like, you're going to handle this now. I'm done now. <laughs> Please don't bother me with the details, you know, do everything else. And there's so many things that you need to talk to them about. You need to talk to them about insurance. You need to talk to them about who's going to live in the apartment. Is it an investment? And so it's so interesting because they, you know, they, they really don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, you have to really figure out how to communicate in a way that, that you're not, that you're not, bo- you're not a bother that you're, yeah. you know, that you're, that you're creating, you know, that you're helping. So that's often tricky with, um, you know, with, with these folks. And the, the other funny thing is that, you know, they don't sign anything themselves. They don't, you know, they don't know how to, who sets up their cable, they don't know, like they don't, yeah, you know, it's like they're very, very removed from their day to day of their home. So yeah. that's a very, to me, that's a very unique thing that, you know, that's, that's the rich and famous. They, they don't handle like the day to day minutiae, you know, related to property ownership. I mean, you've touched on a lot, but uh, do you have any other advice that you think gets overlooked or not thought of for people who are buying and selling real estate in New York City? Um, I think it's really important um, when you're buying and selling. I think the relationship with the broker is really important. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's really good to um, get some feedback and some feeling about the broker that you're using. I find a lot of our clients wind up with a broker and they have like a, an odd story how they got the broker. But once you've you know identified a property and you're working with a broker, that broker is, is in it with us. And um, a really great broker is like, can be a lifesaver because they do so mm-hmm. much, you know, they know it's going to pay, they know it's going to come, you know, come back to them. They know they're going to get referrals. Um, and then there are some brokers that just think, oh, it's really easy to sell New York real estate and I can make a lot of money. And the, and some of them are just really not sophisticated enough for, for some of the deals that we work on. And mm-hmm sometimes they make my job a lot harder and sometimes they make mistakes that hurts the client. So broker relationship, like I love when a client comes to us first and says, can you, you know, can you suggest a few brokers? Cause I feel like, okay, yes. Um, same thing with property insurance. I feel like a lot of folks don't know either they're underinsured or overinsured and that's really important. So yeah, I think the privacy aspect is really important. A lot of our clients think it's going to be really easy to, um, transfer the property um, mm-hmm. down the road, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to give it to my kids or I'm just going to, and they don't really, and it would be good if they thought about this in the beginning. So there's things like that, that I try to discuss, or, and especially if it's a foreign purchaser, there's so many things to think about in advance so that they can be um, insulated from U.S. estate taxes. So I feel like there's a lot of like really important things that we discuss up front that, um, that can make the deal you know, that can make a purchase better. And then down the road, it can make a sale better. Um, but those are just off the top of my head. Those are the things that kind of like, I'm always thinking about like privacy and who's coming in and how are you using the property? And, you know, should you be buying a condo or a co-op? Things like that. Yeah. Are there are there differences in the process? I mean, I, I think I'm vaguely aware of them, but b- between buying a co-op and a condominium, is the co-op process t- 
typically a bit more involved and lengthy and, you know, more difficult overall? It can be. So, the you know, the co-op process, what happens is you give up a lot of control to the co-op board, mm-hmm. whereas you don't give that up in a, in a condo. So in a condo, generally, you can always rent your apartment. And, you know, there may be an application or you may have to just let the board know, but and there may be a small fee even, but there's no restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas co-ops, many, many times, there's all kinds of restrictions, how long you can rent for, if you can rent at all, there might be a fee, um, the board has to approve your tenant. So if you're, if it's an investment property, a co-op is a terrible idea. Um, and then the other thing about co-ops that I find is they are coming along, but there are still some where if you want to try to shield your identity, you know, because you're a public figure and you want to purchase in an entity or in a trust, there are still some co-ops that are really, um, really difficult. Like for instance, I have a client who, um, before they identify the property, they made sure their trusts were permitted. Everyone said yes. The contract is in the name of the trust name. The board approved them. They um, had an interview. We're getting ready for closing, and the building now just sent us. Well, first of all, they asked, many months later they asked us to review the trust, which is fine. They reviewed the trust, and now they're saying to us only the two trustees can be the occupants of the apartment. <laughs> and it's like, well, what about the children? There's there's two children, and so we're going back and forth now in this insane conversation with this co-op because they say like, no, we just want the two trustees, just they can be the only occupants, Wow, which is crazy. Of course, you should be able to have your, you know, even if they're adult children, your children should be yeah. able to reside with you. So, you know, in many, you know, we have many, many clients that want to live in a beautiful Fifth Avenue co-op and it's totally fine. Um, and they, you know, they understand that most of Fifth Avenue is co-ops and that is what it is. But a lot of a lot of other clients do circumvent this sort of like archaic co-op situation <laughs> and they go for a condo. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, there are some differences, but, you know, co-ops aren't terrible and probably 75 percent of New York is co-op. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a high percentage. You, you may fall in love with a co-op. You know, there's not if you fall in love with an apartment, then you're going to make that you're going to make that sacrifice. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm. I think I'm out of questions. I know I'll think of a few more as soon as I hang up, but I want to thank you for taking time to speak with me. And yeah, it was fun. I feel like I learned a lot. Same here. My pleasure.